Last Sunday, I asked the question, what do you think of when you hear the word church? Some of us might think of a building or others, a family, an extended family, or particularly we're focused on Sunday services with worship, with teaching, or perhaps it's ministries that reach out to others. Some of you may be here for the first time having never set foot in a church, and you might have perceptions of what we and other churches are and what we do. I love how Webster's Dictionary describes the church. The church is God's creation and design. It is his method of providing spiritual nurture for the believer and a community of faith through which the gospel is proclaimed and his will is advanced in every generation. As I've thought about how this church might reflect this description over the years, I've read my share of books, I've attended seminars, many conferences, I've had countless discussions with others on growing healthy churches. And there is much wisdom and experience out there from which we can all learn. But I'm convinced that the best examples of the type of church that God wants to build are to be found in a book, a little book that many of you will be familiar with, a book within the Bible called the Book of Acts. If you were here for Vision Sunday last week, you will have heard me share that the main emphasis for the year ahead as a church is Acts from Acts. If you weren't here, I would really encourage you to either listen to it on podcast or much better still, go to the website and watch it because it contains a lot of, uh, it's got films, it's got a lot of visual imagery, pictures throughout it. As I shared last week, Debbie and I, we started to feel the call to church planting as we started to dream about what church could look like. When we asked ourselves whether the things we thought about when we thought about church could become a reality. 34 years ago, before Debbie and I ended up in the vineyard, I was working here in Nottingham with an organization which looked after homeless young people. And my heart broke as I heard stories, their stories of how some of them felt that church was not a place they thought they would ever feel fully welcome. I remember thinking, would there ever be a church where these friends could find a spiritual home? Where people who had spent time in prison could feel part of a family? Where people gripped by addiction could find support to walk free? A church where anyone, no matter what their life experience, their sexual orientation, their background, could belong to a community of faith and not only find love and acceptance, but also be encouraged to, in using their gifts, and growing as disciples? Would there ever be a church where people from privileged backgrounds like me could get involved in caring for those in need? A church where those who had resources shared them with those who didn't? Where people would encounter God in worship, in prayer, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit vibrant in the life of the church? And Debbie and I sometimes pinch ourselves when we see what God has already done here. As we all know, this church is very far from perfect. But as we heard last week, those things that we wished for and so much more are happening here. But when I read the book of Acts, particularly at the beginning of the book, chapter 2, I'm inspired that there is a whole lot more for God to do in and through this church. So we're going to look at this little passage tonight from Acts 2. And it summarizes what was happening in the first church in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. We see things that the believers did, which we are also called to do. 
It doesn't include everything that a church is called to be, nor does it describe the ideal church. As the bulk of the New Testament shows, the early church was far from perfect, with many of its pages devoted to correcting things which kept going wrong. But there are characteristics which the early believers exhibited in the book of Acts, which we can learn from today. So today we're beginning a series, we're looking at each of the Acts, which jump out of Acts chapter 2, starting today with an overview of the passage. I spoke from these same verses last year, but many of you won't have been here that Sunday, and I believe it's such a rich and inspiring section of scripture that it is well worth revisiting, as is the film we showed last week, created by our media team to begin to stir our imaginations. So let's watch that again. What do you think of when you hear the word church? It will trigger different things for each one of us. Does it draw to mind a building, bricks, mortar, stone, stained glass windows with images broadly unknown? Does it make you think of religion, of ritual, of robes? Does it make you think of the biggest institution on the globe? Does it make you think of guilt and shame that it specialises in? Does it make you think of strange language and how they always talk of sin? Does it bring to mind newspaper headlines and make you want to run? of abuses covered up by priests who preach about love. Perhaps it's just irrelevant, a thing of the past, a crutch for the needy, but it's not going to last. Maybe it's anti-scientific, just a bastion of tradition, unable to engage in the real world, blindly clinging to its mission. It's a chequered history of good and bad, and so it brings up many things. But what about the original design, the original blueprints? Imagine a place where people cared for others more than themselves, where they poured their lives out for the sake of everyone else. Imagine a place the sick were healed and the lonely found a home, became part of a family like it was their own. Imagine a people who had a purpose bigger than just them, a people who knew a man risen from the dead, who chose to live their lives on every word he said, who washed each other's feet following the example that he set, Imagine a people who cared and prayed and listened to every need, who chose to sacrifice their rights and love their enemies. A people who took strangers in, who stood up for the weak and least, who shared their lives with one another, laugh and cry together, celebrate and feast. Imagine a people who stood up against injustice and championed what was right, even when it cost them everything, they wouldn't compromise a people so moved with conviction and compassion that they would never give up their fight, but their weapons were love and service and mercy. Imagine they were so kind that the world took note. 
that cities and countries were different, not because of a vote, but change was felt and their voice was heard because their actions spoke. A people who knew their frailty and knew they couldn't do it on their own, but found in the soil of their weakness was where God's power was sown and grown, truly known. What would you call a place like that? It's not a building made of stone. If it were, the stones would be people who see they can't do it alone. How would you find a place like that? What would you write in the internet search? Whatever your preconceptions, this is Jesus's definition of church. That's the lane we're running in, our blueprint, track, map. And it happens through you and me and 10,000 little acts. happens through you and me and 10,000 little acts. The film reminds us that the church is you and me. So as we look at these things today and in the coming weeks, can I encourage you not to think of Trent as being a place that you go to on Sundays or an organization which should do these kinds of things, but rather as us. What the church does and is, is essentially what you and I do and are. The church ultimately is simply an expression of each and every one of us. And so as you listen tonight to this kind of overview of the series, let me encourage you to consider, just be one ear to the Lord, consider one act from Acts that you can personally invest in in the coming week, helping the church to be all that it can be. So if you've got a Bible or a device, do turn to it. Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts starts with the believers being told by the risen Jesus to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit before his ascension into heaven. And the Holy Spirit does come in power on the disciples on what is known as the day of Pentecost. And Peter, one of the disciples, then gets up, preaches a sermon where 3,000 people commit to following Jesus and the church is born. Boom. Next verse, it describes what this church 3,000 plus began to do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what can we learn about the characteristics of the early church that might shape us today? Well, firstly, the church in Acts was characterized by acts of devotion. We read here in uh, verse 42, they devoted themselves to a bunch of things. First of all, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The first thing they devoted themselves was the apostles' teaching, which at the time was yet to be written down. When it was written down, it formed the beginnings of the New Testament. Today we have that as part of the Bible, the treasures of which are deeper than we could possibly grasp in a lifetime of reading it. 
I guess that most of us here probably own physical Bibles. Many of us will have it on our phones. But, you know, we know people in other countries where Christianity is prohibited and the Bible is banned. Christians who do manage to get hold of a copy or even just a few pages go to extraordinary lengths to keep them hidden, often burying them in the ground because owning a Bible could lead to their arrest, imprisonment, even the death penalty. Nevertheless, they take the risk because they are utterly devoted to reading it. Whether you have a paper copy or you have it on your phone or in some other format, the more we engage with that, the more we ingest it, the more we will understand God and will understand the best way to live. I'm really enjoying use the, using the Bible app on my phone from Version. You can find it. And last year I did the Bible in one year, which was read to me very kindly by Nicky Gumbel and David Suchet. And it honestly revolutionized the regularity of my engaging with the Bible. Because I've always been someone who read the Bible kind of in chunks. And I've always been a little bit sporadic. But with this Audible app, I only missed one day in the whole year. This year I'm using another reading plan on that same Bible app. It's called the Life Journal Bible. So it'll take me through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice during the course of the year, and I'm listening to it in the message translation, another translation of the Bible, which often just brings a real freshness to the text, having read either the New International Version or today's New International Version uh, many times through over the years. I'd encourage you to check it out. Devoting ourselves to the teaching of the Bible is a lot more, of course, than reading it, and indeed understanding it. It means living it. A biblical church is a church that's filled with people who, as the Apostle James says in James 1.22, are doers of the word and not hearers only. People who apply the Bible to their daily lives, not just the bits they're comfortable with. Last month, Craig Groeschel, he's a pastor in the U.S., posted this little clip on Twitter, which I rather liked. This is God's living word, and it will speak to every single area of your life. If you're worried about your future, Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry about your life. If you're battling with guilt, Romans chapter 8 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you feel far from God, James said, come near to God, draw near to God, and he will come near to you. If you're battling anxiety or stress, 1 Peter says, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. If you feel like you can't, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. His word will speak to your relationships, your marriages, your parenting, your health issues, your spiritual doubts. If you're not sure what to do next, this book could change your life. Amen. So to help us press into the Bible, we're going to be launching a devotional podcast series based around the book of Acts. So there'll be 28 different podcasts written and read by people here in the church, and that will be published each week until the middle of April. And so to find that, you can just go to trentv.org Acts podcast, or from eight days time, Monday week, you can just go to Trent Vineyard Acts Devotional on whatever your usual podcast app is. I'd encourage you to do that. Secondly, they devoted themselves, it says here in verse 42, they devoted themselves to prayer. 
As I shared last week, one thing we want to focus on this year is galvanizing prayer. Prayer is the main way we connect with God in our personal relationship, and it's also vital in seeing God move powerfully among us. Richard Foster said this, in the ongoing work of the kingdom of God, nothing is more important than intercessory prayer. Prayer releases God to do what he wants to do in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our country, in, and beyond in a way that no amount of effort ever can. Without prayer, we will miss out on the incredible unleashing of the power of God, propelling the work that we do to achieve supernatural results. That time we spend alone or with others interceding, praying, multiplies the effectiveness of the hours we spend doing. A church which is devoted to prayer will see God answering prayers. So the first two Acts from Acts are devotion to the Bible and to prayer. The church in Acts was also characterized by acts of evangelism. Evangelism is simply a, a word which means sharing the evangel, the Christian gospel, the good news of Jesus. And as individuals responded to that invitation, they joined the church. It says here in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, were believing that message, putting their faith in Christ and coming into a place of salvation. We see throughout the book of Acts, the church just getting out there, talking to people who didn't know Jesus, communicating the gospel through their actions. They sent teams to other cities, indeed to other countries. And God's invitation to us is the same. And though it isn't daily, the reality is that the Lord is adding to our number regularly those who are being saved. It was wonderful last year for us to baptize more than in any previous year people who have committed their lives to following Jesus. But we long to see even more, many, many more people come to know him. The church in Acts was also characterized by worship. As they shared meals together, it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, he broke some bread and he said, take and eat this, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you eat it. He took the cup, gave that, the wine, and said, do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. And so we can legitimately assume that the Lord's Supper was shared. Every time they ate together, they broke bread together, they really broke bread together and remembered Jesus. The Lord's Supper is celebrated to remind us of what Jesus has done for us and to look forward to all that he will do. It's about remembering Jesus whenever they were eating. And then verse 46 extends that description. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, remembering Jesus, and praising God. You know, it is possible to have some sort of church that's a great social club, a very loving place to be, and yet lose focus on who the church is all about, somehow forgetting Jesus in the process. This is all about the most beautiful and wonderful person in the universe, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Westminster Confession says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. The church in Acts was also characterized by acts of wonder. Verse 43, 
everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were filled with awe because the experience of being in that church was simply awesome. Signs and wonders, miracles happened in that church. And not just through the apostles, as is summarized here, but actually through many other believers as well. We read about people being healed. Peter was apparently so filled with the Holy Spirit that on one occasion his shadow casting over people caused them to receive healing. People were raised from the dead in the book of Acts. The disciples were miraculously set free from prison. Chains broke and shackles fell off and doors flew open. On one occasion, worship was so powerful, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It's not surprising that people were filled with awe and wonder. If you've been a Christian for long, you'll have seen God do amazing things. In the last few weeks, a number of people here have been healed from physical conditions like back and knee and wrist conditions, having received prayer at the end of the service. As Debbie said, she was speaking at Kingsgate Peterborough this morning. A number of people got healed, including someone who had uh, hearing loss uh, in one of his ears. A month ago, during a dinner that was hosted here for all the pastors in the Vineyard Movement, at a table here where I was seated, two of them discovered that the person waitering, waiting on us, one of the catering staff, who wasn't a believer, was experiencing pain in her back. They prayed for her, and the pain all went. Amazing things are happening, but there is still so much more that we are yet to see. The church in Acts was characterized by acts of hospitality. It says here in verse 42, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. Every day they continued to meet together. They met together in large settings in the temple courts and also in smaller settings in their homes. Because church is a lot more than just being together for a couple of hours on a Sunday. I love hearing stories of people who found a home here at Trent. Take Brian, for example, who was befriended by his neighbors, Stephen and Elizabeth, who are members here, after he lost his brother to cancer. Stephen then took him to Alpha, where he was blown away by the wonderful meals provided free every week. He spent Christmas Day with the family of someone he met at Alpha, saying that he had never experienced a Christmas like it. And Brian told us that he can't quite believe how he has met so many nice people all at once and how he's waiting to wake up from a dream or for the bubble to burst. Brian's story shows that hospitality can be so powerful. You know, sharing a meal together. It could just be a a small act. Chatting to a new person on a Sunday can have a huge impact. Somebody here who was uh, at the service this morning sent this little message in. My goodness, how quickly God works. We got home after shopping and our opposite neighbor came over to say that their house was broken into on Friday night and their car stolen. So my husband says to me, why don't you cook them a meal? Which I did and have just taken it over with some cake. And he was so taken aback and said, what a lovely neighborly thing to do. And this morning at church, of all the things John spoke about, I said, use me more in hospitality. God clearly likes to answer prayer. Be careful what you might pray tonight. I don't know exactly what it was like when the believers got together in the early church, but we know that the church consisted of people of every age and experience because we're told that whole households came to faith. And they all ate together. Not just the kids at one table and the youth at another and the young adults here and then the more senior adults somewhere else. But people of different generations 
different backgrounds all together. As I mentioned last week, one of the things we want to focus on this year is how we can foster intergenerational relationships. We want to be, even more than we are currently, a family with older and younger people learning from and supporting each other in a way in which every generation can be blessed. Sixthly, the church was in Acts was characterized by acts of generosity. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give. The church had caught a glimpse of God's extravagant generosity in his son Jesus. And they responded with what can only be described as amazing generosity themselves. If there was a need, if they had it to give, they gave. We see later on in Acts that people still owned houses, they still owned land. But from time to time they voluntarily sold them and generously gave them money. They brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. They gave it to the church. To, for them to organize what they would do with it. You know, our journey as a church has been marked by extravagant generosity. These facilities in which we're meeting, our youth and our children are meeting, our compassion ministries function from, enable us to do all that we do, or much of what we do anyway, as a church. This land and these buildings cost millions of pounds. Money which was voluntarily given by many of us over the years involving exceptional levels of sacrifice. God is an extravagant giver. The people in the church in the book of Acts were extravagant givers. And as his church learns to give like that, the favor of God will be upon it. The picture that Luke paints in this passage is of people holding their own material wealth in an open hand such that if they saw a need then they would uh, give to meet that need. The main application of the description here was the meeting of needs. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow, imagine a church where people were more concerned that the church was well-resourced and the individual's needs were being met than that they held on to what was theirs. As churches in the Western world go, Trent Vineyard is a church where this is happening. Let me give you just two examples from the last eight days. While waiting for his bus, Ronnie, who sometimes leads worship here, is one of our worship leaders at Trent, he got chatting to a young guy who was really stressed because he'd just come out of a job interview which hasn't, hadn't gone very well. And to top it off, he had also lost his bus ticket. So to the guy's surprise and delight, Ronnie gave him the money for a bus ticket. John Bodley, many of you will know, one of our pastors here, Last Saturday, he went with his family to a water park, and as he was paying for his family, he felt prompted to pay for the entry fee for the entire family waiting in the queue behind him. So he bought the tickets, handed them over, just saying something like he believed that God wanted to bless them for some reason. And the dad explained they'd just had his sister's funeral that week, and they were totally blown away by this spontaneous and kind generosity. I'd love to see that happening over these coming weeks, just opportunities taken for money to be moving uh, in, and blessing being shared around as we grow in generosity. The Lord's inviting us into more and more generosity. And lastly, the church in Acts was characterized by acts of unity. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to fellowship. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. Devoted themselves to fellowship. They really shared their lives. The Greek word for fellowship comes from another Greek word, koinos, which means common or sharing. Fellowship is not just making small talk over a cup of church coffee. It's opening up our lives. It's getting under each other's masks. So one of the reasons we encourage everyone here to be part of a small group where you can get to know and be known by a group of people who share life together, who deeply knowing, deeply caring for one another. Unity, you know, doesn't necessarily mean we agree on everything. Just as here at Trent, there will be many different experiences and different views. We read later on in the book of Acts that the early church didn't necessarily agree on everything at all. But they were united by their shared belief in Jesus. And so they made every effort to seek harmony and agreement. It's also worth noting that unity does not mean uniformity. There is something very beautiful about the church's diversity where you find different people with different backgrounds, different experience, different ethnic groups coming together. That is the miracle of the church. And where there is unity, God loves to bless. One of the ways the enemy attacks the church is by sowing the opposite of unity, by sowing division and dissension. Let's do all we can to unite around what is most important and be very careful with our communication and and that sort of thing. You know, each of us is entrusted with a bucket of petrol and a bucket of water. When there's a little spark, a little fire starting, if it's a negative fire, which bucket is the most appropriate to pour on it? The water, okay? Not the petrol. And if it's a positive fire, we put some petrol on it, get behind it and celebrate what the Lord is doing. I really would encourage you to take that seriously. The church described in this passage then we've looked at today grew like wildfire. Out of Jerusalem, the church spread across the globe. Later in Acts, those who opposed the church, alarmed at the disruption it caused, described it as having turned the world upside down. God wants every follower of Jesus and every church to be characterized by acts of devotion, of evangelism, of worship, of wonder, of hospitality, of generosity, and of unity. Perhaps today, as you've listened, there's one particular area you sense the Lord might be prompting you to grow. While that list is on the screen, let me encourage you to take a step. Identify what it might be the Lord's prompting and take take a step into that area this week. Over the coming weeks, we'll be looking at each of these characteristics. And I'm excited that as we delve deeper into each one, the Lord will be stirring us, challenging us, encouraging us to take risks, to step out beyond our comfort zones. And we will, as individuals and as a church, grow in all these areas and as a result, partner even more closely with what the Lord wants to do in our own lives, in our church, in our city, in our nation, and beyond. Should we stand?